It was a typical midwinter night. My son and I were driving to the store to pick up some eggnog. It happened to be Christmas Eve. My wife, for some reason, wanted eggnog. We couldn't get past the intersection because there was a car stalled in the middle of it. And people were driving around the car. Now, there's six inches of snow on the road already. And it was snowing. So I said, this is ridiculous. Why is nobody stopping? So I stopped the truck, turned the flashers on, and my son and I got out and walked up to the car. And I tapped in the window, and this woman rolled the window down, and she was in tears. It was a young mother. In her back seat was a little baby in, in its uh, little bassinet thing. And, and I said, well, what's wrong? And she goes, well, it won't start. It won't start. I don't know what to do. I told her, I said, I'll take care of it. And my son and I opened the hood, checked it out. She was out of gas. It was very simple. I had extra five gallons of gas. I put it in her car, and I used a little bit of the gas to prime the carburetor and started her car. Then I asked her, why are you out here? This is one hell of a night to be driving around, especially with a, a newborn. My husband's in Iraq. He told me that when I, I'm lonely and I don't know what else to do and I'm scared that there's a church right up here on Highway 95 that he wants me to go to and visit because the pastor knows him. I'm trying to go there and I can't get there. And, and, and she just kept crying. So I said, honey, this is the night when angels walk. Here's $20. You go take care of your little child and uh, go to that church and they'll take care of you. And she's just, she couldn't stop crying. She goes, what can I do to, to uh, thank you? And I said, you just pass this on. This is why I'm here. This is why we're all here, is to help each other, one way or the other. Sometimes it takes a number 10 boot up the butt to help somebody, but most of the time it's just a little bit of kindness. So this is my Christmas show, and what I'm going to do is start off with one of my favorite songs, and it's going to end with one of my most favorite renditions of Hallelujah. In the meantime, enjoy Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life. And I hope the words that I've uh, passed on to you through all of my shows this past year in 2019 helped a little bit. Yeah, you know, that's my job, is to help. So this is Kurt Wilson, the Armchair Survivalist, signing off for 2019. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you next year. Give our King 
Company, the makers of Lux Flakes, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen in Miracle on 34th Street. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Our Christmas present to you is the new Christmas classic of our time. Miracle on 34th Street. It's wrapped in a gay covering of laughter, tied with a bright ribbon of good humor, and decorated with the three sparkling stars of the 20th Century Fox picture. Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen. This is a wonderful story for the whole family. And perhaps some families may be gathered around a Christmas tree as they listen. Others will be putting up this happy sign of the season in a few days with lights and ornaments and the shining snow that can be made with Lux Flakes. Later, we'll tell you how to do this trick with Lux. But right now, it's curtain time for the play that proves there's a Santa Claus. Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen in his Academy Award-winning performance, as Chris Kingle. It's Thanksgiving Day in New York City. On a broad avenue adjoining Central Park, an annual event is being joyfully awaited. The spectacular parade presented by Macy's Department Store to herald in the Christmas season. Away from the crowd are two of Macy's public relations experts. 
He's simply wonderful, Mrs. Walker. Just look at him on that float. The most realistic Santa Claus we've ever had. Why, he didn't even need any padding, did he? Padding? Why, didn't you notice his tummy? So round, so firm, so fully packed. Well, now that everything's under control, where on earth did you find him? I I don't know. I, I just turned around and there he was. And to think that the man whose place he took was intoxicated. With a breath that would knock over a reindeer. Oh, just think if Mr. Macy had seen him. What if Mr. Gimbel had seen him? Competition between our stores is tough enough. <laughs> well, the parade's starting. Let's stand at the curb. Not I, Mr. Shellhammer. I'm going home to relax. Anyway, I can see it from there. I live just around the corner. Oh, so you do. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, Mrs. Walker. And congratulations on finding the best Santa Claus in Macy's history. Certainly is a wonderful parade, Susan. Just look at that clown. Gosh, what a giant. Giant, Mr. Gailey? There are no such things as giants. Well, not now, maybe, but in olden days, there's... Really, Mr. Gailey? And you're a lawyer. Well, what about the giant that Jack killed? You know, Jack and the beanstalk? Everybody knows that's a fairy tale. And I agree with my mother. Fairy tales are silly. Come in. Mr. Gailey invited me. Hello, darling. Susie's told me quite a lot about you, Mrs. Walker. She's told me quite a lot about you, too, the man in the front apartment. Well, this is all part of a plot, Mrs. Walker. I'm very fond of Susie, but I I also wanted to meet you. Meet your friend. Santa Claus! Oh, don't even mention the name. Why not, Mother? Well, that Santa Claus you see is a last-minute substitute. But why? Oh, Remember the way the janitor was last New Year's? Oh, my. Tight as an owl. I, um, I see Susan doesn't believe in Santa Claus either. That's right. She never has. Well, that's the end of the parade. Mother, I've been thinking. It's Thanksgiving, and there are only two of us. Couldn't we invite Mr. Gailey? Well, I... Uh... Oh, uh, <laughs> please don't bother. I'll, I'll just have a sandwich or something. But we have such a big turkey. Please, Mother, please. Well, well, I... Did I ask her all right, Mr. Gailey? Susie, shh. <laughs> you asked fine, Susan. Dinner's at three, Mr. Gailey. Hello, Mrs. Walker. Yes, Mr. Shellhammer. Your maid said you were at Thanksgiving dinner, but I, I just had to tell you. Your Santa Claus was stupendous. Well, thank you. Mr. Macy himself wanted to be our toy department Santa Claus. Oh, fine. Can you hire him? Oh, I already have. Oh, he's a born salesman. I just feel it. Good. We'll talk about it in the morning. Thanks for calling, Mr. Shellhammer. Here he is, Mr. Shellhammer. Here's Santa Claus. Oh, thank you, Alfred. Thank you, Good morning, Santa Claus. Good morning. Now, before you go to the toy department, here's a list of toys that we have to push. Huh? You know, things we're overstocked on. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. And when that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. Do you understand? I certainly do. Fine, that's fine. Now, take the list and Alfred here will show you to your throne in the toy department. And don't you forget, you're working for Macy's. 
Claus. Why, of course I am. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? I want a fire engine with a real hose that squirts real wet water. And I won't do it in the house. I'll only do it in the backyard. I promise. And I promise you'll get your fire engine. You see, Mama, I told you you'd get me one. <laughs> That's fine. That's just dandy. You'll wait here, Mortimer. Mama wants to thank Santa Claus, too. Yes, madam? So what's the matter with you? No, no, no. What's the trouble? I told you before, didn't I? The kid wants a fire engine, but there isn't one to be had anywhere in town. Macy's ain't got any. Gimbal's ain't got any. Nobody's got any. My feet are killing me, and you say, okay, he gets the fire engine. But you can get those fire engines at Schoenfeld's, Lexington Avenue. Only four fifty. a wonderful bargain. Schoenfeld? Yes. Hey, I, I don't get it. Oh, I follow the toy market very closely. Macy's sending people to other stores? Yes. Are you kidding? No. The one important thing is to make the children happy. Whether Macy's or somebody else sells the toy doesn't matter. Oh, don't you feel that way? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. Only I didn't know Macy's did. Hmm? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, who's next, please? Right this way to see Santa Claus. <laughs> All right, little girl. You're next. Of course, little girl. You want some roller skates? Well, you shall have them, too. Mama, Mama, he's going to bring me some roller skates. And he has some fine skates here at Macy's, haven't you, Santa Claus? Oh, they're good skates, all right, but, but not quite good enough. Now, I left some really wonderful roller skates at Gimbal's. I'm sure Gimbal's have just what this good little girl wants. Mr. Shellhammer, are you Mr. Shellhammer? Uh, Gimbal's? Gimbal's? That's just what he did say, Gimbal's. Uh, the sales lady said I should speak to you. Gimbal's. I just wanted to congratulate you and Macy's on this wonderful new stunt you're pulling. Gimbal's. Imagine a big outfit like Macy's putting the spirit of Christmas ahead of the commercial. Gimbal's. From now on, I'm going to be a regular Macy customer. All right, Mortimer, we're going. <laughs> Gimbal's. And there's the toy department over there, Mr. Gailey. You certainly know all about Macy's store, don't you, Susan? Well, that's because my mother works here. But I still think it's silly bringing me here to see Santa Claus. Well, I just feel that when you've talked to okay, him, you might... Okay, Mr. Gailey. I'm certainly willing to try. Well, well, what a fine young lady, eh? What's your name, little girl? Susan Walker. What's yours? Mine? Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Mmm. Oh, you don't believe that, eh? Uh-uh. You see, my mother's Mrs. Walker. Oh, 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 But I must say you're the best-looking Santa Claus I've ever seen. Really? Your beard, for instance. It doesn't have one of those things that goes over your ears. <laughs> That's because it's real. Just what? like I'm really Santa Claus. Now, go ahead. Pull it. My goodness, it is real. Yes, yeah. And now what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Whatever I want, my mother will get. If it's sensible and doesn't cost too much. Oh. That's quite right, Susan. Oh, hello, Mother. Hello, Walker. Mr. Gailey. Hello. Um, the explanation for all this is very simple. Your maid's mother sprained her ankle. She had to go home, so she asked me to bring Susie down to you. And as long as we were here, I... I figured we might as well say hello to Santa Claus. He has real whiskers, Mother. Susan, would you mind standing over there a minute? If you want me to. I, um, I shouldn't have brought Susie to see Santa, is that it? Now you're making me feel completely heartless. I'm sorry. Don't you see, I tell Susan that Santa Claus is a myth. And you sure are a very convincing old man with real whiskers. 
Well, whom is she to believe? Yeah, that's right, isn't it? When Susan was a baby, her father and I were divorced. And ever since then, I've protected my child by teaching her realities. If you don't believe in fairy tales and fantasy, you can never be hurt or disillusioned. We were talking about Susie, Mrs. Walker. And I must ask you to let me raise her as I see fit. All right, dear. The store's going to close soon. We'll run along to my office. Alfred said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Oh, um... Oh, yes. Come in. I, um... Uh, I'd be grateful if you would please tell Susan that you're not really Santa Claus. That there actually is no such person. Oh, but Mrs. Walker, not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, 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 no. You misunderstand. I, I want you to tell her the truth. Now, um, what's your real name? Chris Kringle. And I always tell the truth. Susan, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second grade. I mean your real name. Well, that is my real name. My goodness, the second grade? Very well. I have your employment card right here. I'd look it up on that. Mm, that's a very cute dress you have on, Susan. It's for Macy's. We get 10% off. Oh. So, <clears throat> you always tell the truth, do you? Mm -hmm. Look at your employment card. Name, Chris Kringle. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. You may call the home if you'd care to confirm that, Mrs. Walker. It's a home for elderly gentlemen. Would you also like me to confirm this? What's that? Date of birth. As old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. <laughs> Place of birth. North Pole. Now, really. Why, I believe you doubt me, Mrs. Walker. And this tops everything. Next of kin. Oh, that. Dasher, dancer, prancer, and vixen. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to do this, Mr. Um, uh, Kringle. But the uh, the Santa Claus that we had two years ago is back in town, and I feel that we owe it to him to. Uh... What have I done? Something wrong? Uh, no, no, no. It's it's just that we feel. Oh, excuse me. Hello. Uh, this is Mr. Shellhammer, Mrs. Walker. Drop whatever you're doing. Mr. Macy wants to see us immediately. Oh, I'll be right up. Um, I'm afraid I'll have to be very abrupt with you. I have to see Mr. Macy. You'll be paid for the full week, Mr. Kringle, and uh, I'll send your check to that address. Oh, uh, come right in, Mrs. Walker, Mr. Shellhammer. Thank you, Mr. Macy. Now, about this new policy you two initiated. Uh, oh. Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimble. Well, I, I, I can explain everything, Mr. Macy. You don't have I... to explain a thing. Just look at my desk. Forty-two telegrams and over 500 phone calls. Grateful parents expressing undying gratitude to Macy's department store. Why, you, you don't say. From now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but every salesperson in the entire store. You mean that if we haven't got what the customer asks for, we're to... We're to send him where he can get it. No high-pressuring and forcing a customer to take something he doesn't really want. I think that's wonderful, Mr. Macy. Why, we'll be known as... Uh, yeah, it's the helpful store, the, the friendly store. The store that places public service ahead of profits. And consequently, we will make more profits than ever. <laughs> As for you, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Shellhammer, you'll find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas envelope. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. And tell that wonderful Santa Claus I won't forget him either. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'll tell him myself in the morning. Uh, yes, indeed, Mr. Macy. <laughs> Good night. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Good, good night, Mr. Macy. And thank you again, sir. Oh, imagine a bonus. Yes. Well, what's the matter with you? Mr. Shellhammer, 
I just fired him. Who? Santa Claus. Oh, no, 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 you couldn't have. But I did. He, he's crazy, Mr. Shellhammer. He really thinks he is Santa Claus. I don't care if he thinks he, he's the Easter Bunny. Find him. Act two of Miracle on 34th Street will continue in a moment. Well, Libby, have you given Santa your Christmas list? Yes, indeed, John. And number one on my list is a pair of Chinese pajamas with a three-quarter coat and little upstanding collar. Just like the ones Mata Torin wears in Rogue's Regiment. Perhaps you'd better have the wardrobe mistress of Universal International show Santa what you mean. Well, I'm sure Dick Powell or Stephen McNally could give him a good description. They found Mata very glamorous in this modern story of the French Foreign Legion. And what a villain Vincent Price is in Rogue's Regiment. Mm -hmm. I was on the edge of my seat through the whole picture. And you talk about a pair of pajamas. <laughs> well, they were very special. Marta liked them so well, she had four pairs made for her personal wardrobe. And she was delighted when they told her she could lux them. That's about the easiest care in the world. Especially now with the new tiny diamonds of Lux. Another triumph of the famous Lever Laboratories. These tiny diamonds are so much faster, they burst into suds the instant water touches them. And make wonderfully rich suds that last and last. Don't colors look marvelous when they're luxed? So fresh and new. No wonder smart girls say they won't risk wrong washing methods. Tests prove that with gentle care with Lux Flakes really makes a difference. Lux slips in the 90s stayed new looking three times as long. And that's just like getting three pretty slips for the price of one. A really thoughtful Santa would put a box of Lux Flakes in every lingerie gift next Friday night. Here's our producer, Mr. William Keeley. Act two of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Marina O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. <laughs> It was a frantic few hours that Doris spent last night rushing out to the Brooks Memorial Home in Long Island and assuring Chris Kringle that Macy's wanted him back as Santa Claus. Now Chris is again presiding over the crowded toy department. While in her office, Doris and Mr. Shellhammer... Don't you understand, Mr. Shellhammer? That old man with the nice white whiskers insists that he is Santa Claus. Why, he's out of his mind. What if he should have a... A fit or something. Oh, no, I've got to tell Mr. Macy. Yes, but maybe he's only a little crazy. Anyway, you can't be sure until he's examined. We'll send him to Mr. Sawyer. Sawyer? In personnel. He's paid to examine employees, isn't he? And now, by the way, <laughs> what do you think of this? What is it? A full-page ad Macy's is running in tomorrow's newspapers. Macy's is running it? But it's all about the other stores, Gimbel's and Snacks I know, and... I know. Mr. Macy's idea to help our customers find what they want. It's revolting, isn't it? That Santa Claus certainly has started something. Oh, well. I'll get a hold of him in his lunch hour and send him up to Mr. Sawyer. So I changed my clothes, Mr. Sawyer, and came right up. Oh. Well, then that's your own beard, huh? Oh, oh yes, yes. Mm. Interesting complex in back of that. Why do you carry a cane? Always carry a cane, Mr. Sawyer. Well, that is when I wear street clothes. Hmm. I carved this cane out of a runner from one of my old sleighs. What's that? What's that? With a fine, solid silver top. Oh. <clears throat> Who was the first president of the United States? Oh, 
Oh, give me a difficult one. Like who was... Who was vice president under James Monroe? I'm conducting this examination. The answer is Daniel D. Tompkins. Oh, yeah. Oh. You're a... You're a rather nervous man, aren't you, Mr. Sawyer? Hmm? <laughs> Tell me, do you, um... Do you get enough sleep? My personal habits are no concern of yours. Now, what hand am I holding up? Right hand. How many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You bite your nails, too. Oh. Stand up now. Feet together. Arms extended. Muscular coordination test. I've taken dozens of these tests. Mr. Sawyer, are you happy at home? What? That will be all, Mr. Kringle. The examination is over. Thank you. Yeah, and it may interest you to know I've been happily married for 22 years. Very happily married. Delighted to hear it. Goodbye, Mr. Sawyer. Miss Port. Yes, sir. Get Mrs. Walker on the phone. Yes, sir. But your wife, Mr. Sawyer, she's called four times already. Well, you tell my big fat wife to shut up and mind her own business. Here's Mrs. Walker, sir. Uh, all right. <laughs> Hello. Oh, I, w I was just going to call you, Mr. Sawyer. Oh? There's a Dr. Pierce stopping by this afternoon at three. Who's Dr. Pierce? He's the physician at the Brooks home. I thought we might discuss Mr. Kringle's case with him. Oh, well, there's hardly any point in discussing it, Mrs. Walker. Obviously, the old man should be discharged. So, Dr. Pierce, Kringle should be dismissed immediately and sent to a mental institution. Oh, now, just a minute, Mr. Sawyer. Ah, he's deluded saying that he's Santa Claus. It's a delusion for good. I found he only wants to be friendly and helpful. Uh, his whole manner suggests aggressiveness. Look at the way he carries that cane. Mrs. Walker, naturally, I can't discharge that loony, so when he exhibits his maniacal tendencies, please realize the responsibility is completely yours. Well, I'm right back where I started. Mrs. Walker, I assure you, Chris Kringle has no maniacal tendency. But if there's the slightest possibility of us causing any trouble... What I... trouble? All that needs happen is a policeman ask his name. Chris Kringle, clang, clang, and Macy Sa Santa Claus lands up in the psychopathic ward. Well, you can prevent that very simply. Now, there must be someone here at the store who could rent him a room. Then they could both come to work together. I just as soon he avoided that long train ride to Long Island anyway. You mean sort of take custody of him? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Mr. Kringle would agree to that? Oh, I'm sure he'll agree. Well, in, in that case... Uh... Now, let me see. Who do I know who could rent him a room? you're going to have dinner with us, Mr. Kringle. Oh, thank you, Susan. I'm also very glad you're going to live next door with Mr. Gailey. Oh, why? Because you're nice to talk to. Oh, <laughs> I say, what a fine young man that Mr. Gailey is, eh? Just think, allowing me to share his apartment, a mere stranger. He did it because Mother hinted to him. Oh, well, anyway, I'm very grateful. Shall I tell you what I did in school today? Oh, by all means. Any games? Yes. And a very silly game, too. Oh? They played zoo, and each child was supposed to be an animal. Oh, but Susan, they were just pretending. But that's what makes the game so silly. Oh. Well, of course, in order to play games, you need imagination. Oh, uh, that's when you see things, but they're not really there, huh? Oh, yes. Yes, but, you know, to me, imagination is a place all by itself. Now, you've heard of the French nation. Mm -hmm. hmm? And the British nation. Yes. Well, this is the imagination. <laughs> no. 
A very interesting place, too. Now, how would you like to be able to make snowballs in summertime, eh? What? Or be the Statue of Liberty in the morning, and in the afternoon, fly south with a flock of geese? Well, I'm quite sure I'd like it, but... Oh, it's very simple. Very. Well, anyway, look here. The next time they play zoo, you can be a monkey. But I don't know how to be a monkey. Don't you? Oh, I'll show you. Now, first, you bend over a little, like, uh, like this, see? Now, let your arms hang loose, see? Like this? Yes, that's fine, fine. Now, put your hand over here and start scratching, see? <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's excellent, Susan. That's as fine a bit of scratching as I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, now you start chattering. Chattering? Yes, now listen. See? And keep scratching. Now then, look here. We'll do it together, see? Chatter and scratch and scratch and chatter, see? That's fine, Susan. Fine. You're doing beautifully. Beautifully. Yes. <laughs> Susan, are you still awake? Uh-huh. I've, uh, just come in to say goodnight, Susan, that's all. Now, look here, about Christmas. There must be something you'd like for Christmas. Well, I've certainly thought about something, Mr. Kringle. You have? Well, what is it, eh? Tell me. It's right here on the night table, see? Oh. I tore this page out of a magazine. It's a picture of a house. Oh, that's what you want, is it? A doll's house. Colonial architecture. Oh, not a doll's house, a real house. A real house? Yes. And if you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. Now, 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 wait a minute, Susie. <laughs> what could you possibly do with a big house? Live in it with my mother. And a backyard with a big tree to put a swing on. And a garden and a... Oh, well... I even discuss it. Susie. Susie, could I, uh... Could I keep this picture? Just, uh... Just in case? I guess so. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Well, Mr. Gailey's waiting for me. Good night, monkey. Good night, Mr. Kringle. Take whichever bed you want, Mr. Kringle. You're very kind, really. Uh, tell me, Mr. Gailey, what is it you just do for a living, eh? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Haslip, Haslip, Sherman, and Mackenzie. Oh. Hmm. And you, uh, you like living here in the city? Well, it's convenient. But someday I'd like to get a place on Long Island. Huh. Not a big house, just one of those junior partner deals around Manhasset. Oh, one of those little... Colonial houses, eh? Yeah. 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 A little colonial house would be swell. Good. Good, yes. You're, um... <clears throat> you're quite fond of... Mrs. Walker, aren't you? <laughs> a lot of good it does me. She lives in a cast iron shell that's just a little difficult to penetrate. Oh. Well, you must try a little harder, Mr. Gailey. You know, Mrs. Walker and that child are a couple of lost souls. And it's up to us to help them. See? No. Yeah, she... Oh, well, shall I turn out the light? No, 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 no. I'm not going to be cheated out of this. You know, all my life I've wondered about it, and now I'm going to find out. Tell me, does Santa Claus sleep with his whiskers outside or inside the cupboard? <laughs> oh, outside, of course. Outside, by all means. The cold air makes them grow. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> 
Come in, Mrs. Walker. Come in. Thank you, Mr. Macy. I've just heard something very exciting. You have? Well, let me tell you something very exciting. Our policy of being kind to customers has tripled our sales. Now, what do you think of that? That's wonderful, Mr. Macy. And Gimbel's thinks it's wonderful, too. Gimbel's? Gimbel's are adopting the same policy. Well, is that so? And it gives me an idea. As long as Gimbel's are doing the same thing... Why not some pictures for the newspapers? Uh, pictures? Yes. You and Mr. Gimble shaking hands. Shaking hands? R.H. Macy and... and Gimble? Well... well, yes. Yes, yes, why not? With Santa Claus. It's a great idea, Mrs. Walker. Macy and Gimble shaking hands. <laughs> That's enough pictures, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Mr. Gimble? Come on, R.H. Now we'll go over to my store and get some really good pictures. Oh, just a minute. I have something here for Santa Claus. Here you are, Mr. Kringle. A check in appreciation of all you've done. Mr. Macy, why, that's most kind of you. I didn't think you were that generous, R.H. That's quite a check. What are you going to do with it, Mr. Kringle? Well, I have a friend. Uh, Dr. Pierce. He needs a new x-ray machine. You buy the machine through the store. Ten percent discount. Nonsense. Come over to Gimbel's. We'll furnish it at cost. Oh, keep it up, gentlemen. Keep it up. <laughs> at this rate, my friend will have a whole new hospital. <laughs> How did the pictures turn out, Mr. Kringle? Oh, fine, Alfred. Fine. How about a game of checkers during lunch, eh? Oh, not today, Chris. I... I don't feel so good. Oh, What's the matter, Alfred? Oh, nothing much. You remember I was telling you how I like to play Santa Claus over at the Y and give out packages to the kids? Yeah. Well, I was telling Mr. Sawyer about it, and he says that's very bad. That psychologically, it's all wrong. Wrong? To be nice to children? Well, he says guys who play Santa Claus do it because when they was young, they must have done something bad. Now they do something they think is good to make up for it, see? <laughs> it's what he calls a guilt complex. Alfred... What else has he found wrong with you? Oh, nothing much. Just that I hate my father. <laughs> I didn't know it, but he says I do. Excuse me. Hey, ain't you going to have lunch? Later. Right now, I have an appointment with Mr. Sawyer. What do you mean, breaking into my office like this? Are you a licensed psychiatrist? What business is it of yours? I have great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for meddling amateurs who go around practicing it. Oh, shut up. You ought to be horsewhipped. Taking a boy like Alfred and filling him up with complexes and phobias... I and think I'm better equipped to judge that than you. Just because Alfred wants to be kind to children, you tell him he has a guilt complex. <laughs> Having the same delusion, you couldn't possibly understand. Oh. And don't you wave that cane at me. Either you stop analyzing Alfred, or I'll go straight to Mr. Macy and tell him what a contemptible fraud oh, you are. On, get out of here. Get out of here before I have you thrown out. There's only one way to handle a man like you. Maybe this'll knock some sense into you. Oh! Oh, help! Oh, my head! My head! Oh! Good day, Mr. Sawyer. Oh, Miss Prawn! Get me the police! Get me Mrs. Walker! Get me the psychopathic ward in Bellevue Hospital! You can see Mr. Kringle now, Mr. Gailey. Thank you, nurse. Hello, Chris. Hello, Fred. Chris, I've been speaking to the doctors. They said they've given you some tests. Oh, yes. 
Same old tests. Except this time you failed to pass them. Chris, you deliberately failed. Why? Why? Well, because I had great hopes, Fred. I had a feeling Mrs. Walker was beginning to believe in me, and now... Well, now I discover she was only humoring me all the time. But this wasn't Doris's idea at all. Mr. Sawyer had you sent up here before she even knew about it. But why... Why didn't she come to me and explain things? Because she didn't want to hurt you. Oh, well, it's not just Mrs. Walker. It's... Well, now, take Mr. Sawyer. He's contemptible, dishonest, deceitful. Yet he's out there and I'm in here. Well, if that's normal, I don't want it. But you can't just think of yourself, Chris. What happens to you matters to a lot of other people. People like me who believe in what you stand for and people like... Well, like Susie, who are just beginning to. Chris, you're letting us down. Well, Fred, maybe you're right. Well, of course you're right. I ought to be ashamed of myself. Let's get out of here. Now, wait a minute. You flunked your mental examination, but good. Oh, yes. So I did. <laughs> well, well, anyway, you're a lawyer. You fix it. Hey, look, I can't just... Now, I won't let you down, and you won't let me down. Chris, now take it easy. Look, there'll have to be a hearing. If you're going to be committed, it has to be before a judge. Well... Well, if I can do anything at all, it'll have to be in courtroom. Now sit tight, Chris. I'll get an idea. I have to get an idea. You, uh, uh sent for me, Mr. Mason? I certainly did, Mr. Sawyer. I brought my family to the toy department to see our Santa Claus, and our Santa Claus isn't there. He's in Bellevue. Yes, Mr. Mason. Because he's a lunatic. Yes, sir. A l lunatic. <laughs> Lunatic, my foot. Now, you listen to me, Sawyer. You get that case dropped right away, or you'll have another lump to match the one he gave you. But it's out of my hands. Mr. Kringle goes to court in the morning. Well, just see that he's back in the toy department by afternoon. Now, get out of here. Oh, Mr. Gailey. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Yes? I've been looking all over for you. I'm Mr. <clears throat> Sawyer. Oh, so you're Sawyer? Yes. I, uh, I was just speaking to the court clerk, and he said you represent Mr. Kringle. <clears throat> well, I represent Mr. Macy. Well, then I'll see you in court. Oh, no. uh, uh, that's what I wanted to speak to you about. Now, Mr. Macy would like to drop the whole case right now. You see, we're most anxious to avoid any publicity. No publicity, oh. huh? Well, that's very interesting. Oh, then you'll cooperate? You know something, Sawyer? You've just given me the idea I've been searching for. Oh, good, good. If I'm going to win this case, I'm going to have to have public opinion and plenty of it. And publicity's just the way to do it. Thanks. And uh, so long, Mr. Sawyer. Uh, Mr. Gailey? But Mr. Gailey! Look at these newspapers, Chris. Here. Uh -huh. Evening Dispatch. Doctors doubt sanity of Santa who launched Goodwill Campaign. Oh, my. Daily Bulletin. Macy's Santa Claus to have lunacy hearing. Mm. What's this one? The New York Express. Is Chris Kringle crazy? Court case coming. Kiddies cry calamity. <laughs> You've driven the United Nations clear back to page five. Well, get a good night's sleep, Chris. We go before Judge Harper at ten tomorrow morning. Pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Our stars will return with Act Three of Miracle on 34th Street in a moment. When a new player signs a contract with 20th Century Fox, she soon gets well acquainted with Miss Helena Sorrell, head dramatic coach. Helena, do you like to watch your pupils perform in the picture? Oh, of course, John, because I take a personal interest in them. I'm especially proud of Betty Grable and her new picture, When My Baby Smiles at Me. Betty's become a really fine dramatic actress. She certainly has. She and Dan Daly are magnificent as a couple of vaudeville hoofers. And Betty's costumes in When My Baby Smiles at Me gave me a thrill. And I was amazed how many things the wardrobe department washed with Lux Flakes. It reminded me of my theatrical days when I was on the road and lived in a couple of trunks. A box of Lux Flakes in each? <laughs> That's absolutely true, John. I was never without it. In my hotel or at the theater. Well, then you, you've probably discovered that the new tiny diamonds of Lux are more wonderful than ever. They're so much faster and richer. Do more for you, too. They remove soil which other types of suds can't. Leave things cleaner, fresher. And Lux flakes keep colors lovely. You're right there. That's why it's foolish to risk wrong washing methods that may fade colors. Actual tests show that with gentle Lux flakes care... Colors stay lovely up to three times as long. That's a good tip for girls who get nice blouses and sweaters for Christmas. Right you are. And thank you for coming tonight, Helena Sorrell. We return you now to William Keeley. The curtain rises on the third act of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris. <laughs> For a few weeks, a jolly elderly gentleman named Chris Kringle has been working minor miracles as Macy's Santa Claus. But now, his sanity has been seriously questioned. And in a crowded courtroom, Judge Harper listens patiently as the assistant district attorney summons Chris to the witness stand. Now, uh, this is not a trial, Mr. Kringle. It's just a hearing, so you don't have to answer any questions. <clears throat> now then, uh, where do you live, please? Well, it seems to me that's what this hearing will decide, won't it? <laughs> Mr. Kringle, do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Of course I do. That's all, Your Honor. The state rests its case. Well, Mr. Gailey? Your Honor, Mr. Mara contends my client is not sane because he believes he is Santa Claus. An entirely logical conclusion. Anyone who thinks he's Santa Claus is crazy. Your Honor, you believe yourself to be Judge Harper. Yet no one questions your sanity because you are Judge Harper, do they? Mr. Kringle is the subject of this sanity hearing, not I. Well, Your Honor, I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Oh, Mr. Mayor, I thought you said this was a cut-and-dried sanity hearing. Well, I thought it was, Your Honor. <clears throat> In view of Mr. Gailey's statement, I'll have to review the entire background of this case. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. <laughs> Hello, Doris. I'm sorry I'm late, but get ready. We're really going to celebrate tonight. What are we celebrating? Well, didn't you read the papers? Santa's mouthpiece throws bombshell on New York Supreme Court. Oh, Fred, you're not really serious about this. You can't possibly prove that Chris Kringle is Santa Claus. Well, you saw Mr. Macy and Mr. Gimble shake hands. That wasn't possible either. What does your firm have to say about it? Hayslip and McKenzie and, and the rest of them? That I've... Uh jeopardize their prestige, and either I drop this impossible case or they'll drop me. You see? So I beat them to it. I quit. Fred, you threw away a career because of a sentimental whim? Well, I'll open my own office. And what kind of clients will you get? Oh, 
probably a lot of people like Chris who are being pushed around. That's the only fun in law anyway. Doris, look. Don't you have any faith in me at all? No, it's not a question of faith. It's, it's just common sense. But faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. It's not just Chris that's on trial. It's everything he stands for. Human kindness and love oh, and dignity. Oh, Fred, listen. We've seen a lot of each other the last couple of weeks. I, well, I've become fond of you. We've talked about some wonderful plans, haven't we? And then you do this. Go on an idealistic binge, throw away your security, and expect me to be happy about it. And I expect too much. Is that it? Well, that's that, I guess. Good night, Doris. Hello. Yes, this is Mr. Merrill. Well, can't it wait till tomorrow? I'm eating din... Who's been subpoenaed? Well, how do you think I feel about it? I'll see you tomorrow. Who's that, dear? R.H. Macy's been subpoenaed. Oh, my. Those reporters. They make me look like a sadistic monster who likes nothing better than to drown pussycats and tear wings off butterflies. Quiet, dear. Tommy's still awake. Oh, oh, yeah. It'd, It'd just break his heart if he knew what his daddy is doing. I'm doing my job as assistant district attorney. Well, I'm not so sure, but I, but that I agree with them. Mr. Kringle looks like a very nice old man, and I don't see why you have to keep persecuting him. I'm not persecuting him. I'm prosecuting him. I like the old man, too, but but there's nothing I can do about it. You know something, Thomas? Sometimes I wish I'd married a butcher or a plumber. Well, if I lose this case, it's very possible you'll get your wish. (laughs) R.H. Macy, I I wonder what he's going to pull tomorrow. Proceed with the witness, Mr. Gailey. Now then, Mr. Macy, if you recognize the defendant, please tell us who he is. Why, Chris Kringle, of course. Do you believe him to be of sound mind? Sound mind? I wish I had a dozen like him. Mr. Macy, you are under oath. Do you believe that man is Santa Claus? Well, now, that's a rather delicate... uh... Just think of those headlines tomorrow. Macy admits his Santa Claus is fraud. You keep out of this, Kimball. What did you say? Yo, <laughs> no, nothing, Mr. Barber, nothing. <laughs> well, I wish you would. Is that man Santa Claus? Yes, in my opinion, he most certainly is. Your Honor, there is no such person as Santa Claus, and everybody knows it. Can you prove there isn't any? I won't even try. I'll not waste the court's time with such childish nonsense. Your Honor... The prosecution requests an immediate ruling from this court. Is there or is there not a Santa Claus? Well, now, uh, I, uh... The court will take a short recess to consider the question. Hello, Henry. Why, Charlie, what are you doing here? Can't an old friend visit you in your chambers? And if you ask me, you never needed a friend like you do now. This Kringle case... Well, I certainly don't see what they're making such a fuss about. Henry, that's Santa Claus you've got out there. On trial for lunacy. This case is dynamite. And you're coming up for re-election soon. Charlie, you know what happened last night? Martha brought the grandchildren over. They... they wouldn't kiss Grandpa. <laughs> they wouldn't even talk to me. Well, you see what I mean? If you rule there is no Santa Claus, you better start looking for that chicken farm right now. 
I'm a responsible judge. How can I seriously rule that there is a Santa Claus? Because of what happens if you don't. The kids read about it and they don't hang up their stockings. Now what happens to all the toys that are supposed to be in those stockings? Nobody buys them. The toy manufacturers have to lay off employees. By now you've got the AFL and the CIO against you. <laughs> yes, and they're going to say it with votes, see? Oh, and the department stores are going to love you, too. <laughs> yes, sir, Henry. And what about the Salvation Army? They got a Santa Claus on every street corner. They're taking a lot of money to help the poor. But go ahead, Henry. You go in there and rule there isn't any Santa Claus. But if you do, you can count on getting just two votes, your own and that district attorney's out there. One vote, Charlie. He... he's a Republican. <laughs> oh, well, let's get this over with. The, uh, uh, the question of Santa Claus seems to be, uh, largely a matter of opinion. The, uh, tradition of American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a controversial matter. But, Your Honor... This court, therefore, intends to keep its mind open. We shall ask for evidence on either side. But the burden of proof clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If Your Honor, please, I can. Will Thomas Mara please take the stand? Who, me? No. Thomas Mara, Jr. I believe he and his mother are both in court today. Hi, Papa. Hi. <laughs> Tommy, do you believe in Santa Claus? I sure do. Gosh, he gave me a brand new sled last year. Now, um, what does Santa Claus look like, Tommy? Well, there he is, sitting right over there. You're on a right protest. Overrule. Tell me, Tommy, uh... Why are you so sure there's a Santa Claus? Because my papa told me so, didn't you? Thank you, Tommy. You can go back to your mother now. See you later, papa. You certainly will. Your Honor. Don't forget Santa Claus. This year I want a football helmet. Don't worry, Tommy. You will get it. Mr. Kringle, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, sir. Your Honor, the state of New York concedes the existence of a Santa Claus. But in so conceding, we demand that Mr. Gailey stop representing and presenting personal opinion as evidence. I insist he submit authoritative proof that Mr. Kringle here is the one and only Santa Claus. Well, Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus on the basis of unprejudiced authority? Well, sir, no, not now. I, I need a little time. Why not now? Tomorrow, Your Honor. Very well. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Whew. Oh, brother. Now come, Susan, dear. Finish your supper. But I can't, Mother. All those things they're saying in the newspapers about Mr. Kringle and Mr. Gailey. They're having this trial because he says he's Santa Claus. He's so... He's so kind and, and nice and jolly. He's not like anyone else I know. He must be Santa. You know something? I think perhaps you're right. Is Mr. Kringle sad now, Mother? I'm afraid he must be. Then I'll write him a letter. Maybe that'll make him feel better. I'll cheer him up. Oh, Postman, Postman. Yeah, lady? Would you mind taking this letter? Oh, sure, lady. We're going straight down to the post office now. 
Okay, Louie, take it away. Well, what do you know, Louie? Another letter for Santa Claus. Hey, here's a new one. Instead of the North Pole, this kid's got it addressed to Chris Kringle, New York County Courthouse. Well, the kid's right. Huh? Oh, yeah, sure. They got him on trial down there. <laughs> he claims he's Santa Claus and the DA claims he's nuts. Hey, hmm? hey, I got an idea. Huh? How many Santa Claus letters we got down there in the dead letter office? Oh, who knows? Must be 50,000 bags and bags all over the joint. Hey, he... You mean? What, Flaky? Why not? Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of them all? Wouldn't it? <laughs> boy, oh boy. Look, Louie, soon as we get to the post office, we go and see the supervisor. You know something? I bet we both get promoted. <laughs> <laughs> the defense has been unable to submit one shred of proof that Kris Kringle is the one and only Santa Claus, and since tonight is Christmas Eve, I ask, Your Honor, that this hearing be terminated without further delay. I protest I do have evidence. Five minutes ago, you said you didn't. During Mr. Mara's oration, the bailiff handed my client the evidence I refer to. What evidence? This letter, Your Honor. Oh, yes, Mr. Kringle. It's from Susan Walker. She believes in me. Oh, this letter means more to me than... Anything in the world. That letter, Your Honor, was delivered by the United States Post Office, an official agency of the federal government. The Post Office Department was one of the largest business concerns in the world. Last year did a gross volume of over $1 billion. Your and this year... Your Honor, I'm sure we're all gratified that the Post Office is getting along so well. <laughs> but what bearing has it on the sanity of that man? My point is that the Post Office Department is a model of efficiency. Furthermore, the laws of this country make it a criminal offense... To willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. The state of New York is second to none in his admiration of the post office department. We're very happy to concede, Mr. Gaylis. Uh, for the record, Mr. Mara. For the record. Anything to get on with this case. Thank you. Your Honor, that letter just received by Mr. Kringle is positive proof that a competent... One letter is hardly positive proof. I have further exhibits, Your Honor, but I, I hesitate to produce them. Come, come, Mr. Gailey, put them here on my desk. But, Your Honor, I, I don't... I said put them on my desk. All right, boys, bring them in. Your, your Honor, what, what is this? Empty those mail sacks on Judge Harper's desk. Yeah, well, you... Well, but uh, bring them all in or be fined for contempt of court. Uh, no, no, just a second here. Uh, we'll do it, Your Honor, through rain, through sleet, through courtrooms, anything. We deliver. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Your Honor, every one of those letters and every one of those mail sacks is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office is to deliver them. Therefore, the post office department recognizes Chris Kringle to be the one and only Santa Claus. Since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. And for heaven's sake, get this mail out of my courtroom. So as soon as I got out of court, I came straight to Macy's to see you, Doris. Oh, Chris, I'm so glad you won. <sighs> well, we're having a big Christmas party at the Brooks' home tomorrow morning. I'd like so much to see you and Susan there. We'll be there, Chris. Oh, Chris... Couldn't you, couldn't you come home now and have dinner with us? Now? Tonight? Me? My goodness, Doris, it's, it's Christmas Eve. Alfred! Alfred! Look! 
Look who came all the way out here to the home, just for our Christmas party. Chris, it's, it's Mr. Macy. Mr. Gimble, too. Oh, excuse me, Alfred. Mrs. Walker and Susan have to leave now. I want to see them before they go, so forgive me, will you? But, Susie, darling, you've got so many presents. Not the one I wanted. Not the one Mr. Kringle was going to get for me. Well, what was it? It doesn't matter. I knew I wouldn't get it, but I thought he'd at least tell me why. Susie. I'm sorry, Susie. I tried my best, but... You couldn't get it because you're not Santa Claus. Susan. Just a nice old man like Mother said. But I was wrong when I told you that. You must believe in Mr. Kringle and keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. But that doesn't make sense, Mother. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. What? I mean, just because things don't turn out the way you want them to the first time, you've still got to believe in people. I found that... Hello, Doris. Fred. Mr. Gailey, Mr. Gailey. Merry Christmas, Susie. Gosh, you'll just get here and we're ready to leave. Oh, I've been here. Oh. And if you're ready to leave, I'll drive you home. Before you go, here. Here's a map I've made for you. You'll miss a lot of traffic. About four miles south, you will see Ashley Avenue. Now, that's the street you want. Ashley Avenue. Thanks, Chris. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Fred. And to you, my dear. And to you, Susie. I believe, Mr. Kringle. I do. Silly, I suppose. But I do. I don't understand it, Fred. The map Chris gave definitely says Ashley Avenue. We've been on Ashley Avenue now for... Susie, what is it, darling? What's the matter? There it is! The house! The house! Susie! What in the world? She's running into that house. But at least there's no one home. It's it's brand new. It's it's just been built. Yeah, for sale, it says. For sale. What on earth is that child up? Hey, Susie! Here I am! Upstairs! Now come right down. You know you shouldn't run around in other people's houses. That's strange. I'll say. No, no. I mean this house. I've seen this house somewhere. I know I have. Maybe in a magazine or... Mother, it's our house. It's the one I asked him for, Mr. Kringle. Mr. Kringle? I know it is. Oh, you were right, Mommy. You were right. Susie. Mommy told me that if things didn't turn out just the way you wanted them at first, you've still got to believe, and I kept believing. And you were right, Mommy. Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Now where are you going? In back to see if there's a swing. There is one. Oh, there is one. You told her that? About believing? Well, you told me, Fred. <laughs> a sign outside. For sale, huh? Well, we can't let her down, can we? I never really doubted you. It was just my silly common sense. <laughs> it even makes sense to believe in me now. I must be a pretty good lawyer. I take a little old man and legally prove to the world that he's Santa Claus. Now, you know that couldn't be... Fred! What's the matter? There. In the corner. By the fireplace. Oh, no. No. It, it can't be. It, it couldn't. A cane. Chris's cane. Well, there couldn't be two canes like this anywhere in the world. Silver handle and all. Hey, you know something? Maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all.
Warner Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring James Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore in It's a Wonderful Life. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we bring you one of the season's most inspiring hits, a Liberty Films production that's been nominated for the highest screen award. It's a wonderful life. And we present it now with its original fine stars, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. Jimmy in the role which won him a nomination for the best performance of the year. Also in our cast is starred that fine comedian, Victor Moore. It's a Wonderful Life is the drama of a typical American. Might be you, it might be me. He dreams of glory, he lives in hope, he loves and doubts, uh, and only Providence puts a final value on his service to humanity. Our story starts before the war, when life was normal. Shortages were generally unknown, and simple luxuries like Lux Soap were abundant. This is the story of George Bailey, citizen of Bedford Falls, New York. George Bailey, who more than anything under the sun, wanted to see the world. The wonderful, exciting world that lay somewhere beyond the limits of his hometown. Oddly enough, this story does not begin in Bedford Falls. In fact, it doesn't begin anywhere in the world. It begins in heaven where the superintendent of angels has just summoned an apprentice angel named Clarence. Oh, I'm really going down to Earth, sir? Oh, how splendid. Yes. There's a very discouraged man down there, Clarence. George Bailey. At exactly 10.45 p.m., Earth time, he'll be thinking seriously of ending his life. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Now, I want you to stop him if you can. Now, sit down, sit down. I'll give you Bailey's case history. Sir, if... uh, If I should accomplish my mission, may I perhaps get my wings? I've been waiting over 200 years now, and, well, people are beginning to talk. Clarence, what's that book? The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, sir. I was reading it when you sent for me. Oh, fine book. Excellent. Well, you do a good job on George Bailey, and we'll see about your wing. Oh, thank you, sir. Now, listen. When George Bailey was a boy, two events occurred that you should keep in mind. One was when his young brother, Harry, fell through the ice and almost drowned. George saved him. Brother fell through the ice. George saved him. Ever since, George's had a bad ear. All that icy water, you understand. Yeah, bad ear, yes, sir. The other event came a few months later... George used to work after school in Mr. Gower's drugstore. One day, Mr. Gower's only son died of influenza. It was a terrible blow, and poor Mr. Gower tried to lose his grief in whiskey. Where you been, George? Mrs. Blaine's called twice. What happened to her prescription? You lost it, didn't you? No, Mr. Gower. Here it is. Are you good for nothing? Don't you know that Blaine girl's very sick? Mr. Gower, my ear. You're hurting my sore ear. Teach you to loaf, you lazy brat. Mr. Gower, you know what you're doing. You put something wrong in those capsules. Shut up. Oh, I know you feel bad, but look, Mr. Gower, look. This bottle, you use this bottle to make up the capsules. It's poison. Don't hurt my sore again, Mr. Gower. Oh, George. That's what you deliver, Mr. Gower. All I wanted was to make sure. George, George. 
Clarence, that was George Bailey as a boy. When he grew up, he wanted to go to college, but there just wasn't the money. So he worked four years in the Building and Loan Association. Building and Loan Association? Oh, I forgot to tell you. George's father was in the building and loan business. He and George's uncle, Billy. High ideals and low bank account. Anyway, George worked for his father and saved enough to see him through the university. That summer, though, he was going to Europe. Got a job on a cattle boat. Do a little traveling before cut. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's hard to realize that my last night in the Bailey boarding house. We're sure going to miss you, George. Oh, I'm going to miss you too, Pop. Hey, what's the matter? You look tired. Oh, I had another tussle with old Henry Potter today. Well, I thought when you put him on the board of directors, he'd ease up. Well, so did I. I just can't understand a man like Mr. Potter. He can't begin to spend all the money I he has. I guess Potter owns about everything he wants in Bedford Falls, except our building and loan. That's why he hates us. Hey, George, can I borrow your tuxedo studs? Yeah, help yourself, Harry. Well, where are they? In your suitcase? Well, I'm not taking us. Tuxedo on a cattle boat, you know. Say, where'd you get that suitcase anyway? Oh, Mr. Gower, going away present. And one of these days you're going to see that bag all covered with travel labels. Italy, Baghdad, Samarkand. Going to have a pretty full summer, eh? I'm going to have a pretty full life. Hey, why don't you come to the dance tonight? Why, I'd be bored to death. Well, you couldn't want a better death. Lots of pretty girls. Hey, I got to hurry. I wish we could send Harry to college with you, George. No, we've got that all figured out now, Pop. He'll take over my job at the building and loan, work four years like I did, and then he'll go. Well, he's pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. <laughs> Maybe you were born older, George. Huh? George, when you get out of college, I don't suppose you'd come back to the building and loan. Oh, no, no Pop, I, 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 I just couldn't. I, I couldn't face being cooped up the rest of my life in a shabby little office. I, I, oh, I I'm sorry, Pop. Now, I... I didn't mean that, but it's just this business of nickels and dimes. I'd go crazy. I, I want to do something big, something important. Well, in a small way, we are doing something important, George. In that shabby little office, we help people figure out how they can own their own homes. I know, I know, Pop. I, I just wish I felt that I... I, I but I, I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust. <laughs> I... You're right, boy. You get yourself an education, then get out of here. Oh, Pop, you... Pop, you want a shock? I think you're a pretty great guy. Well, thanks, George. I'm glad to hear it. Look, um, why don't you go on over to Harry's dance? You'd have a good time. Well, I don't know. Maybe it will drop in. Yeah, maybe it will at that. So, George Bailey went to a dance. Is that important, Joseph? Why, it was at the dance he met Mary Hatch. Oh. And three hours later, he was walking her home. George and Mary were feeling pretty good, Clarence. As a matter of fact, wonderful. Buffalo girl, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo girl, can't you come out tonight? And dance by the light of the moon. Oh, a hot dog, oh boy, just like an organ. At least. Hey, you know, you know something? If it wasn't me talking, I'd say you were the prettiest girl in town. Well, why don't you say it? I don't know. Maybe I will. Hey, how old are you anyway? Eighteen. Eighteen? Too young or too old? No, no, no. It's just right. It sort of fits you. Hey, hey, look where we are. Hmm? Oh, the old Granville house. Yeah, i got to throw a rock. Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. Well, no, don't you know about deserted houses? You, you make a wish and then throw a rock. George, but it was such a lovely old place. I wish I lived there. In there? I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now, watch. Watch this. 
Here we go. How about it, huh? Pretty good shot, huh? Broke a window, huh? What'd you wish, George? Oh, I don't know. Not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. And then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields and skyscrapers a hundred stories high and bridges a mile long. And then I'm going to... Hey, hey, Mary. What is it you want? What do you want, huh? You want the moon? All you got to do is just say the word now. Okay. The moon, I'll take it. Then what? Then what? Well, well, then you could swallow it. And and it'd dissolve like an aspirin, you know. And the moonbeams would shoot out of your fingers and the ends of your hair. And the, the, uh... You, you think I'm talking too much? Yes, why don't you kiss her instead of talking to her? How's that? Uh, youth is wasted on the wrong people. Why? Hey, just a minute, mister. Hey, you come back here. I'll show you some kissing if oh, you want to. George! Hey, Uncle Billy, look here. I'm going to kiss Mary. Watch. George, get in the car quick. Your father's had a stroke. What? what? George, a... get in. Hurry. Well, George's father died that night, Clarence. So, of course, George couldn't go to Europe. But that fall, just as he was ready to leave for college, the directors of the building alone had a meeting. They were going to appoint a successor to Mr. What was that you said, Mr. Potter? I said as long as Peter Bailey's dead, let's dissolve the building and loan. We don't need it. Now, wait a minute. Now, you wait a minute. Peter Bailey was not a businessman. Ideals without common sense can ruin a town. What do we get? A discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class. Oh, I meant no disrespect, George, but... Oh, wait a minute there. Why my father ever started this cheap penny ante building alone, I'll never know. But just remember this, Mr. Potter, this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and the paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, Mr. Potter, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book, George. I'm talking about the building and loan. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on that's galling. That's what you're talking about. Well, this town needs this measly one-horse institution, if only to have some place where people can borrow a few dollars without crawling to you. Now, come on, Uncle Billy. What happened, George? Yeah, all we heard was a lot of yelling. Boy, oh boy, you should have heard, George. Yeah, they're in there voting us out of business. Oh, who cares? I can get another job. I'm only 41. 45. Well, you get out of here, George. You missed your boat trip. Do you want to miss college, too? George, we've just voted Potter down. We're still in business. Whoopee! We're still in business! We're still in business! But there's one condition, George. They've appointed you to take your father's place. Appoint me? But I'm going to college. Look, this is my last chance. Uncle Billy's your man. Uh, George, you've got to take it. They'll vote with Potter otherwise. They said so. They even... I know George Bailey didn't go to college. That's right, Terrence. He gave his, his college money to Harry. Harry went instead. But what happened to that good-looking girl, you know, Mary? Oh, George saw her now and then. Not very often, though, because Mary went away to school, too. Anyway, George waited four years more for Harry to come back and take over the building and loan. He could still see the world. He planned to work in the oil fields, Venezuela. Except when Harry came home, he wasn't alone. There was a girl with him, his wife. 
George? Yeah, I'm out here on the porch, Mother. I just thought I'd get some air. Well, how how do you like your new sister-in-law? Oh, she's swell. Looks like she can keep Harry on his toes. Yeah, yeah, I keep him out of Bedford Falls anyway. What do you mean? Well, Ruth's father, she, he's got a wonderful job for Harry up in Buffalo. Buffalo? Well, that means you... Yeah. You can't... Yeah. George, uh, did you know Mary Hatch is back from school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nice girl, Mary. Mm-hmm. Oh, stop grunting. Mm-hmm. Give me one good reason why you shouldn't call on Mary. Well, Sam Wainwright. Sam's crazy about Mary. Well, she's not crazy about him. Well, now, how do you know that? Did she discuss it with you? How did... Besides, Sam's away in New York. Oh, and all's fair in love and war. Uh-huh, I see. Okay, Mother, I think I'll go out and find that girl and do a little passionate necking. Oh, George. Goodbye, Miss Bailey. By the way, do you want any books at the library? Library? George! George, you go and see Mary. Do you hear? George, is that you out there? Oh, oh hello, Mary. Well, are you coming in? I just happened to be passing by here. Oh, I thought you were picketing. Have you made up your mind? How's that? Have you made up your mind? About what? About coming in. Your mother just phoned. She said you were coming over. My mother just phoned. What does she mean, Carla? I just happened to be passing by, that's all. I didn't... Well... Well, all right, I'll come in for a minute, but I, I didn't tell anybody I was coming here. You, you feel I can't go out for a walk nowadays without you. When did you, when, you get back? Tuesday. Mm. Where'd you get that dress? Do you like it? It's all right. <laughs> well, no point standing here on the porch. Come on in. I, I still can't understand it. I didn't tell anybody I was coming here, you know. Would you rather leave? Well, no, I don't want to be rude. <laughs> Sit down for a while. It's nice about your brother and Ruth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Don't you like her? Well, of course I like her. She's a peach. Oh, just marriage in general you're not enthusiastic about, hmm? No, no. Marriage is all right for a lot of people. It's all right for Harry and Sam Wainwright and you. For Sam? Harry? It's George Bailey, Mother. What's he want? I don't know. What do you want? Me? Not a thing. Not a thing. And I, I just came in to get warm. He's making violent love to me, Mother. You just tell him to go right back home. Sam said he'd call you tonight from New York, didn't he? I guess so. How about some music? Uh, you know, your mother needs... You know, I didn't come here to... What did you come here for, then? Uh, I don't know. You're supposed to be the one with all the answers. You tell me. Oh, why don't you go home? I don't know why I came here in the first place. Good night. Good night. Okay, the way you're shouting, you think that... You think what? All right, I'll get it. George, on your way out, would you mind turning off the phonograph? I'd be very happy to. I've gone crazy, song. Hello? Sam? Mary! Gee, it's good to hear your voice. How are you, Sam? I forgot my hat. Hee-haw. What? Oh, I, I was just talking to an old friend of yours, George Bailey. Oh, Mossback George? Oh, Mossback George. Well, put him on. I'll talk to him, too. Wait a second. George! He doesn't want to speak to George. He does so. He asked for him. Why'd you call me? Because if you are, I, I'm in a hurry. I got... Sam wants to talk to you. Oh. Oh. Hiya, Sam. Hey, fine pal you are, trying to steal my girl. Oh, what do you mean? Nobody's trying to steal anybody's girl. Here, Mary, take the... No, no, no. Wait, wait, George. I want to speak to you both. Tell Mary to get the extension upstairs. 
He says for you to get on the extension upstairs. I can't. Mother's on the extension. We, we can both hear, George. Just put your head a little closer. What? Yeah, what? That's, that's better. Uh, we're, we're listening, Sam. Well, I have a big deal coming up that's going to make us all rich. George, remember that time you told me about making plastics out of soybeans? Soybeans? Yeah. Yeah. Soybeans. Yeah. Well, yeah, my yeah. father's checked into it, George. See? And now he's going to put up a factory. How do you like that? A factory, huh? And yeah. here's the point, George. I may have a job for you unless you're still married to that broken-down building and loan. Oh, Mary? Uh, I'm here. You tell that guy I'm giving him a chance of a lifetime. Do you hear? He says it's the chance of a lifetime. And give me that phone. Here's George again, Sam. George! Now, you listen to me, Mary. I don't want any plastics, and I don't want any job, and I don't want to get married ever to anyone. Do you understand that? I want to do what I want to do, and, and you're not going to trick me. And you're... Mary. George. Mary. Oh, Mary, darling, I, I love you, Mary. So George, Bailey, and Mary Hatch were... Yes, George and Mary were married. Mm. And they started off on their honeymoon in Ernie Bishop's taxi cab. Hey, where are you two going on this here now, honeymoon? We're going to shoot the works, Ernie. A whole week in New York, a whole week in Bermuda, the highest hotel, the oldest champagne, the hottest music, and the prettiest wife. <laughs> so you're finally getting out of Bedford Falls, huh? Then what? Then what, honey? After that, who cares? That doesn't... Hey, you know, Mrs. Bailey, I haven't kissed you. Hey, George, that. there's something funny going on over there. Look, look over there at the bank. It looks huh? like a run. All right, Pull over a minute, will you, Ernie? George, let's not stop. Please, let's go straight to the no, station. No, wait a minute. I'll better see what it is. I'll be right back. George, please. George! In a few moments, we'll return with the second act of It's a Wonderful Life, starring James Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. Meanwhile, here's our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins, looking very smart to me, I say. Well, thank you, Mr. Keeley. You know, after seeing Paulette Goddard's wardrobe for Paramount's new comedy, Suddenly It's Spring, I just had to rush out and buy something new. Looking at all those lovely clothes was just too much for my self-control. Well, you look stunning, Libby. Oh, thank you again, Mr. Keeley. Now, tell me about the picture. I understand that Paulette's portrayal of the next whack is truly delightful. Oh, yes, it is. And Fred McMurray gives a perfect characterization of her wayward husband. Between the two of them, suddenly it spring is a high-spirited comedy with emphasis on the romantic side. Well, naturally. <laughs> but really, Mr. Keeley, that wardrobe of Miss Goddard certainly will make close-conscious girls sit up and take notice. I'll bet you think so, too, Mr. Kennedy. Well, Libby, men seldom know much about styles. Well, what I notice about a dress is the general effect when a woman wears it. Some girls always seem to have that right-on-the-beam look. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, I think what you have in mind, Mr. Kennedy, is good grooming. Screen stars certainly put great emphasis on it. A perfect hairdo, fresh, beautifully cared-for skin. Those are essentials. That must be the reason Lux Toilet Soap continues to be a studio standby, no matter how often other styles change. Well, that's what Miss Goddard told me. She says her beauty facials are so quick and easy and work so well. She's never without a supply of Lux Toilet Soap. I can depend on it for daily complexion care, she said. I wish you'd tell the ladies in our audience how easy these Lux Soap facials are, Libby. Well, here's what Paulette Goddard does. She says, I cover my face with a fragrant Lux Soap lather and work it well in. I rinse with warm water, 
then cold, and use a soft towel to pat my skin dry. Give skin quick new beauty, she says. Daily Lux Soap Facials do make skin lovelier. Recent tests by skin specialists proved it. In, in three out of four cases, complexions became softer and smoother in, in just a short time. A lovely Lux complexion makes a woman so attractive. I wish every girl who hasn't tried Lux Toilet Soap would begin using it tomorrow. That's sound advice, Libby. When nine out of ten screen stars recommend a beauty soap, you know it has to be good. So why not try Lux Toilet Soap, Hollywood's own complexion soap? We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Act Two of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart as George... Donna Reed as Mary, and Victor Moore as Clarence. Well, we're back in heaven again, where the superintendent of angels is reviewing the case history of a mortal named George Bailey. Clarence, the apprentice angel, is very eager to depart on his mission to the earth. Poor George Bailey... Oh, he's certainly in desperate trouble, Joseph. I'll go to him at once. Now, you sit down, Clarence. Sit down. We're nowhere near the point where George Bailey's thinking of taking his life. We're not? Now, uh, where were we? Uh, oh, yes, yes. George and Mary had just started out on their honeymoon when they ran smack into the financial panic of 1932. In the waiting room of the building and loan, a hundred frantic people were clamoring for their safety. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Billy? What's happened? All those people out there. This is a pickle, George. All I know is the bank called our loan an hour ago. I had to hand over all our cash. Holy mackerel. Whole town's gone crazy. Bank's in the same spot we are. Our charter. Too. What about our charter? Our charter says we have to stay open until 6 p.m. The state can take away our license if we don't. How can we stay open till 6 without any money? George, where are you going? Out to talk to those people. Come on. Now, please. How about our money, George? Where's our money? Oh, come on, now, please. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, listen to me. Now, you're thinking of this place all wrong. Your money's not here. Oh, wait a minute. Now, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Your money's in people's houses. In the Kennedy house, in the McLaren house, and in your house, and a hundred others. Now, what are you going to do? Foreclose on them? I got $240 in shares. Now, let me have it. All right. All right, Charlie. Now... You'll get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Well, now, look, that's what you, that's what you agreed on when you bought your shares. I got my money! Well, yes. Old man Potter's taking over the bank. He'll pay you 50 cents on every dollar. Then let's take our shares to Potter. Half is better than nothing. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, folks, I beg of you not to do this. If Potter gets hold of your shares, he'll be owning this building and loan. And he's got the bank, he's got the bus line, he's got the department stores, and now he's after us because he wants to keep you living in his shacks and paying the kind of rent he decides to charge. Now, we can get through this thing, all right, but we've got to stick together. We've got to have faith in each other. My husband's out of work. We need money. I've got doctor bills to pay. I can't feed my kids on faith. Well, that's what you need. We've still got some money. Hey, Mary. Here it is, George. You told me to hold on to it. Would have made a nice honeymoon. Bought furniture, too. Hey, now, wait a minute. Whoa, listen. I've got $2,000. All right, Charlie, how much do you need? 
$240. No, Charlie, now listen, just enough to tide you over. I said $240. Okay, okay. Uncle Billy, give Charlie $240. All right, Ed. Now, how much just to get by on? Oh, $20, I suppose. Now oh, you're talking. Now, you're Mrs. Thompson, how about you? $20 will do me. Good, good. $20. Uncle Billy, pay it back when you can now. Pay it back when you can. All right, all right. Who's next? Look at the clock. Look. Five seconds, four seconds, three, two, one. Six o'clock. We made it. Lock that door, Eustace. Quick. Boy, we're still in business, Uncle Billy. We even got two bucks left. Hmm? George, there's a call for you. Okay, and then call my wife, will you? She's probably over at Mother's. Mrs. Bailey's on the line. No, I don't want Miss Bailey. I want my wife. Mrs. Bailey. Miss Bailey. That, that's my wife. That's my... Give me the phone, will you? Hey, Mary, Mary, listen, Mary, I'm sorry, I, I, hmm? Come home, well, what home? Well, 323 Sycamore, well, whose home is that? What? Well, Mary, how can I, well, well sure, all right, sure, I'll, I'll be there. Clarence, guess what 323 Sycamore was? His mother-in-law's house, huh? Oh, no. Number 323 Sycamore was the old Granville house, the one George threw rocks at and made wishes. Yes, sir, that's where they spent their honeymoon. That's where they started housekeeping. They were still living there two years later when old man Potter asked George to stop over at his office. Sit down, George. Sit down, do. Uh, have a cigar? Well, thank you, sir. Uh, George, you're a young man, married, making, say, $40 a week at the building and lawn. Forty-five. Forty-five. Now, if you were some ordinary yokel, I'd say you were doing fine. But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious. He hates the building and loan almost as much as I do. He's been dying to get out of town ever since he was born, but he's trapped. Trapped into frittering his life away, playing nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Do I paint a correct picture, George, or do I exaggerate? Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? My point is that you're the only man in town who has licked me. George, I want to hire you. Manage my affairs. I'll start you off at $20,000 a year. $20,000 a year? Are you sure you're talking to me? I'm George Bailey. Don't you remember me? The building and loan, remember? Yes, George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, providing he has sense enough to climb aboard. Well, but but what about the building and loan? Confound it, man. I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year. Is it a deal or isn't it? No, no, the... Answer's no doggone it. If you offered me a million dollars to stay around this town and play stooge to you, the answer'd still be no. Now, let me alone. Don't bother. George, what did Mr. Potter want? Oh, it's nothing. He just talked, talked. It's nothing. Oh, gee. Mary Hatch. Mary... Why in the world did you ever marry a guy like me, anyway? <laughs> to keep from being an old maid. I was going to see the world. I was going to build things. I was going to give you the moon. What have I given you? What have I given you? Not even a new dress, not for months. I... Gee whiz, I feel awful. So do I. Mornings especially. I could have married Sam Wainwright, anybody else in town. I didn't want to marry anybody else. I want my baby to look like you. Well, you didn't even have a honeymoon, and I promised you that you, 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 you what? My baby. You're, you be, hey, Mary, Mary, you mean you're on the nest? Well, Mary 
don't say. Then she had another one, a girl. Well, what do you know? Night after night, George had come home late from the office. Things weren't good with the building and loan. Potter was really bearing down on him. Then came the war. Mary had another baby by then. Oh. But she still had time to help out in USO. Uncle Billy sold war bonds. And George's brother Harry became a real hero. Shot down 15 planes. But George, what about George? Well, George was 4F, his bad year. He was an air raid warden. On VE day, he wept and prayed. On VJ day, he wept and prayed again. We're, uh, we're getting... Pretty close to today, aren't we, sir? Yes, Clarence. You now know almost everything you have to know about George Bailey, except what happened that finds him down there at this moment, wanting to die. Well, sir, well? Well, today's the day before Christmas, uh, Earth time. George is pretty excited. Hey, Tilly! Useless! Hey, look at the newspaper. Commander Harry Bailey, decorated by the president. That's my kid brother. The Congressional Medal of Honor. Gosh, George, gosh. What do you think about the 15 Jap planes? And the last one he got was just about to dive into a transport loaded with soldiers. You know what that means? He saved lives, hundreds of lives. Gee, where's Uncle Billy? Huh? Well, gone to the bank, George. He's oh. depositing that $8,000. Good, good, good. Who's that in his office there? It's that man again, the bank examiner. Uh-oh, oh, yeah. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Carter. Hey, uh, Telly, get the books from Mr. Carter. Well, you know, that's my brother's picture there, Mr. Carter. He shot down 15 planes, and one of them was just well, well, Mr. Henry F. Potter come to the bank to deposit some more loot, eh? Sure, you old fool. How do you like the news in the paper, Mr. Potter? Just can't keep those Bailey boys down now, can you? Oh, let me see that newspaper. Here, sorry I can't chat, you old thief. Gotta make a deposit. Uh, here you are, Horace. Deposit slip, bank book, and a very Merry Christmas to you. You too, Mr. Bailey. Say, you've forgotten something, haven't you? Horace, I've forgotten things all my life. Get a wiggle on, boy. But, Mr. Bailey, where's the money? Uh, what, what's that? You want to make a deposit? Well, certainly I want Well, it's customary to bring the money with you. It's gone. Where'd I put it? Where'd I put that money? A terrible thing, Clarence. Terrible. Uncle Billy couldn't find the money because the envelope with the $8,000 was folded up in that newspaper he gave to old man Potter. I just don't know what happened to it, George. I just don't know. $8,000. Uncle Billy, the bank examiner's here, and it's not our money. It belongs to the depositors. George, what, what are we going to do? We've placed every step I took. We can't stand here in the street. Are you sure you didn't put that envelope in your coat pocket? I, I, I think so. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I'm no good to you, George. I'm no good. Now listen to me. Now listen to me. Think. Think, will you? Now try and think. I can't think anymore. I, I can't. Now where's that money, you silly old fool? You know what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. Now get out of my way. I'm going home. George, dear, what's wrong? You haven't said a word since you came home. Oh, well, that banging on that piano, does she have to just keep playing that same piece over and over and over and over again? I have to practice the Christmas party, Daddy. What is it, dear? Another hectic day. Yeah. Yeah, another red-letter day for the baby. Dad, Murphy's got a brand-new car. You should see it. What's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? I'm 
sorry, Dad. I only... Run upstairs, Petey. See if Zuzu's all right. Okay, Mom. And what do you mean? What to see if Zuzu's all right? What do you mean? Oh, she caught a little cold coming home from school. She didn't button up her coat. Well, what is it? What is? What do you mean, just a cold? George, the doctor said it was nothing serious. The doctor? Was the doctor here? Well, I thought he'd better look at her. It's this old drafty house. No wonder we don't all have pneumonia. Might as well be living in a refrigerator. Why did we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town? George, what's happened? Everything's happened. You call this a happy family? Why do we have to have all these kids? Daddy, how do you spell Frankenstein? I don't know how you spell. You ask your mother. Where are you going? Upstairs to see Zuzu. Hello? Oh, thank you, Mrs. Welch. I'm sure she'll be all right. Who's that? Zuzu's school teacher. What? Oh, yes, the doctor says she'll be fine tomorrow. Here, give me that phone. George, please. Mrs. Welsh? Well, this is Mr. Bailey. Say, what kind of a teacher are you, anyway? What do you mean, sending Zuzu home like that half-naked? Do you realize you'll probably end up with pneumonia just because of your stupidity? You know, maybe my kids aren't the best-dressed kids in town, but at least... Hello? Hello? Janie, will you stop playing that lousy piano? Cut it out! Stop it! George, for heaven's sake, what's wrong with you? I'm sorry. I'm... Janie, I'm sorry, Mary... I, I, I just got to get out of here. So that's it, George. You're short $8,000 in your account, eh? Oh, please, Mr. Potter, I'll, I'll pay any sort of a bonus if you still want the building and loan. I, you say it I'll was let... lost. Have you notified the police? No, sir, I haven't done that yet. Harry's home. Oh, I come to me. What about your good friend Sam Wainwright? I can't get a hold of him. He's in Europe. What kind of security would I have, George? What collateral? Yes, sir, I have some life insurance here. A $15,000 policy. Mm-hmm. What's your equity in it? $500. And you want 8000 You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. Well, what are you but a warped, frustrated young man crawling on your hands and knees for help? Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so well? Ask them for help. I'll do anything, Mr. Potter, please. Please help me, Miss. My wife and kids... I'm calling the district attorney. $500. You know something, George? You're worth more dead than you are alive. Now get out of here. Get out. And all the time, Potter had the $8,000 in his desk drawer. It's still there, Terrence. But where's George, sir? Where? Well, he went over to Martini's Cafe. He's had a couple of drinks, Clarence. He's just standing there, sort of in a day. Oh, God. Oh, God, dear Father in heaven, I, I'm not a praying man, but if, if you're up there and, and you can hear me, please show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. I, show me the way, God. Mr. Bailey, you all right? Don't drink anymore, Mr. Bailey, please. You don't feel good. Bailey? You say Bailey? Which Bailey? This gentleman is Mr. Bailey, George Bailey. George Bailey, huh? And the next time you talk to my wife like that, she'll get worse. It isn't enough she slaves teaching your stupid kids how to read and write. You've got to follow You get out of here, Mr. Welch. You hit my best friend. Get out. All right, um, I'll... Mr. Bailey, you, you okay? Who's that? Mr. Welch, but don't worry. He don't come in this place no more. I'll get something for your face. It's bleeding. I'm all right. Please don't go away, Let Mr. Mr. Bailey. Please don't Let go away. Well, George left Martini's Cafe five minutes ago, Clarence. He's at the river now, on the bridge, looking at the water. Are you ready, Clarence? All ready, sir. Very well. 
save George Bailey's life, and you'll get your week. My wings. Oh, thank you, Joseph. George! George Bailey! Get away from that wing! Do you hear me? George! George! Just a moment, we'll bring you Act Three of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. The popular theory about beautiful blondes is that they're content to be merely decorative. Our lovely guest tonight, Miss Susan Blanchard, completely disproves that idea. Besides being a hard-working fox starlet, Susan, I understand you're a wonderful cook. I really love housekeeping, Mr. Keeley. But most of all, I enjoy the training I get at the studio. It's work. But it's fun, too. You're an Easterner, aren't you, Susan? Yes, a native New Yorker. I thought so. It was the Broadway theater that inspired me to think of show business as a career. Well, that's interesting. I used to save my allowance and go to every play I could. One of my favorite actresses was Jane Wyatt. Uh-huh. Imagine, Mr. Keeley, what a thrill it was for me to meet her right here in Hollywood. Jane Wyatt's latest picture, Boomerang, was made in the East, I understand. Mm-hmm, Yes. But she and Dana Andrews, who stars in Boomerang with her, were in Hollywood to see a studio showing of the picture. Oh, I see. Jane Wyatt is my ideal of a stage and screen star. So talented and so lovely to look at. Just as lovely in real life, too. She is indeed. It wasn't long before I discovered that she's as keen about Lux toilet soap for beauty care as I am. You know... I'm a Lux girl, too. We're glad to hear you say that, Miss Blanchard, because that's a very beautiful Lux complexion I see before me. Just right for blue eyes and ash blonde hair. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. Any girl in pictures is delighted to find out about Lux toilet soap as a beauty care. Active lather facials are so quick and easy, and they really make a difference in your skin. Thousands of busy, attractive women have discovered that, Miss Blanchard. Daily Lux Soap Complexion Care does make skin lovelier. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the choice of nine out of ten screen stars. Lux Toilet Soap is all around beauty care for me. I use it as a bath soap, too. It has such delightful perfume, leaves a lovely fragrance on the skin. Thank you, Miss Susan Blanchard. I hope our audience will be seeing that lovely Lux Complexion of yours in a screen close-up one of these days. Now, back to our producer, William Keeley. Act three of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. (laughs) Numb with despair, convinced, as Mr. Potter said, that he's worth more dead than alive, George Bailey stands on a bridge, staring at the dark and frigid waters below. Suddenly, there's a splash. No, that's not George. It's Clarence, the apprentice angel. And there goes George in after him. Hmm. It's a few minutes later now, and in the bridgekeeper's shack, George and Clarence are drying off. You both sure you're all right? You, you want a doctor? No, I'm all right. Oh, I'm fine. This underwear, I didn't have time to get anything more stylish. My wife gave me this on my last birthday. I... Passed away, and you, you what, Mister? Mm. I see Tom Sawyer is drying out too. Who? My book. I left in such a hurry. I brought Tom Sawyer with me. Hey, how'd you happen to fall in? Oh, I jumped in. 
I jumped in to save you. Jumped in to save me? Well, I... I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Hey, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. <laughs> where do you come from? Heaven. Oh, that's very funny. Very your funny. your lips bleeding. Yeah, yeah, I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer. <laughs> oh, no, George, I'm the answer to your prayer. Hey, how, how'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. Well, who are you supposed to be, anyway? Clarence Oddbody, A.S. 2. Clarence Oddbody. What's the, what's the A.S. 2 for? Angel, second class. Hey, I'm getting out of here. You may not need a doctor, but I do. Here you are, my good man. Hey, look here. Why why'd you want to save me? Because I'm your guardian angel, George. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Well, you look like about the kind of an angel I'd get. What, <laughs> what, uh, what happened to your wings? My well, I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel, second class. Oh, I see. But you can help me earn them, George, by... Letting me help you. Oh, uh huh. Don't happen to have eight thousand bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no. We we don't use money in heaven. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Oh, I see. Comes in pretty handy down here, Bub. <laughs> oh, cut, cut, cut. As I found it out a little late. You know, I'm worth more dead than alive. You mustn't talk like that. Joseph will never give me my wings if you keep feeling that way. You just don't realize what you've done for your folks. Why, if it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. Oh, this is not going to be easy. I'd all be better off if I hadn't been born. What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. George, that's wonderful. It's wonderful? What? The idea you just gave me. Well, you got your wish. You've never been born. I've never been born? Exactly. No worries, no $8,000 to get, nothing. You simply don't exist. All right, all right, okay, all right. George, I can do things, strange things. I can show you the world, George, the way it would be if you hadn't been born. Hey, wait, hey, wait a minute, this ear of mine. Hey, say something else in that bad ear. You don't have a bad ear anymore. Oh, I don't think you're concentrating. Don't you see? You're not the George Bailey you think you are. You're, well, uh, you're nobody. That's the doggonest thing I ever saw, that, that ear. Your lips stop bleeding, too. Yeah. Yeah, hey, hey what's, what's happening around here? What is this, anyway? I need a drink, that's what I need. What, what about you, Angel? You want a drink? Well, I, I don't quite know. Come on, I... come on, we'll go as soon as our clothes are dry. Clothes are dry, George. Hey, that's, so they are. That's funny. Well, look, let's get dressed and we'll stroll over to Martini's and then... Uh, oh, excuse me. I mean, I'll stroll. You fly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't have my You don't wings. have your wings yet. No. That's right. I forgot that again. A couple of drinks and we'll both fly. What'll you have, fellas? Hey, where's the boss? Where's Martini? Look, wise guy, I'm the boss, see? Okay, well, double scotch, quick, will you? What's yours? You know what? I just love some mulled wine. Huh? Heavy on the cinnamon and light on the cloves. Off with you, my lad, and lively now. Now, cut it out. Oh, come on, you just give him the same as I ordered. He's okay. Uh, He's two double scotch. What about this place? It's all changed. All of Bedford Falls has changed. 
you're having your wish, George. You've never been born. Oh, there'll be lots of things you've never seen before. Oh, good. Somebody just made it. Made what? Every time a bell rings, it means some angel's got his wings. What'd you say? Uh, look, uh, Clarence, I don't think you better talk about angels around here. Yeah. Don't they believe in angels? Oh, yeah, they believe in them, but you know, it's just a little well, then thing. Then why should people be surprised when they see one? Uh, don't mind him, bartender. He's just a little fellow. He just never grew up. And how old are you anyway, Clarence? Well, next May, I'll be 293. That does it. A couple of pixies, huh? Go on, get you, hear me, get. Where's Martini? Will you Stop talk? asking about Martini. He ain't here and he... Hey, you. Rami, didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here? George, look. Hey, it's Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower. Listen, Mr. Gower, don't you know me? This is George Bailey. You... You find me a drink, mister? Just one drink, will you, mister? Pinky! Yeah, Nick. Throw the rummy out. Oh, no, no, please. Hey, bartender, that's that's Mr. Gower, the druggist. That rum head spent 20 years in jail for poisoning some kid. If you knew him, you must be a jailbird yourself. Pinky, here's two more. Get him out of here. Get up, George. Good thing he threw us in the snowbank, huh? Hey, where's, where's Mr. Gower? Mr. Gower doesn't know you, George. You see, you weren't there to stop him from putting poison into that prescription. What do you mean I wasn't there? Look, tell me, what are you? Are you a hypnotist? George. Look, why am I seeing all these strange things here? Don't you understand? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, then who am I? Nobody. You have no identity. What do you mean I have no identity? No papers, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. Zuzu's bell. What? Zuzu's bell. I bought my little girl a bell to hang on the Christmas tree, and I forgot to give it to her. I've got it in my... I... It's gone. It's gone through everything. It's gone. But you've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like if you'd never been born. You're crazy. You're crazy as a bedbug, and you're driving me crazy, too. Now, look, I'm going home to my wife and family. Do you understand that? And I'm going home alone. Joseph, oh, I'll stay near him, sir. Poor George. He's seeing Main Street now the way it would be if he hadn't lived. The thing that's really shocked him, sir, is the building and loan office. Know what's there now? Pawn shop. What's he doing? Can you see? He's talking to Ernie Bishop, the taxi driver. He wants to go home. You better tag along, Clarence. Oh, I will, sir. I will. Come on, step on it, will you, Ernie? Get me home. I'm off my nut. Where do you live, buddy? Oh, now, doggone it, Ernie. Don't you start pulling that stuff on me. 323 Sycamore. 323 Sycamore. Yeah, hurry up for the Zuzu's sake. Okay, buddy. Hey, look, Ernie, I, I don't know what's happening. I'm going crazy or something. I've got some bad liquor. I... Now, look, tell me this now. You're Ernie Bishop, right? And you live with your wife and kid down... You've seen my wife... What do you mean? I've seen your wife. I've been in your house a hundred times. What do you, we, we built it for you, didn't we? Bud, my wife took the kid and ran away five years ago, and I ain't never seen you before in my life, see? Okay, Ernie, okay, okay. Just step on it. Get me home. Mary! Mary, where are you? Janie, Petey, Zuzu. Zuzu, where are you? This is just an old abandoned house, George. You have no wife, 
No children. Where are they? What have you done with them? Hey, I'll break that thing. See, I told you. All right, up with your hands. Oh, Bert, Bert the cop. Thank heaven you're here. Now, look, why don't you be a good fella and I'll take you to a doctor. Bert, now, Bert, listen to me. What's the matter with you guys? Now, listen, it's that fellow there. He says he's an angel. He tried to hypnotize me. I hate to use my nightstick, but I guess I... Ow! Uh, run, George, run. He can't hit you while I'm Ow! biting him. George, run! My teeth aren't what they used to be. Joseph, help! Joseph! Joseph! Where'd they go, Arnie? Where'd they go? I, I, I don't know. They just disappeared. Parents! Oh, Joseph, I hope you don't mind my calling on you like I did. It was very irregular, Clarence. You're by yourself again. Where's George? He's at his mother's house, sir. Well, if George hasn't been born, he has no mother. Oh, he's being very stubborn, sir. He'll just have to find these things out for himself. But his mother, that's a terribly bitter blow to a man, his old mother not knowing him. You mean I shouldn't have let him... I mean you better find him right away. Oh, and stop fighting policemen, Clarence. I'm here again, George. My mother, my own mother didn't know me. If only Harry were here. My brother were only back from Washington. Your brother fell through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. Well, that's a lie. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Don't you see, George? You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence? Yes? Where's Mary? Please, where's my wife? I, uh... I'm not supposed to tell. Tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? I'll choke it out of you if I have to. Where's my wife? The library. She works there. She's just about to lock up for the night. So I, uh... George! George! Come back! Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Mary. Mary. I'm sorry, the library's closed. Mary, it's George. Don't you know me? No, I don't know you. Let me go. Mary, please, don't do this to me, Mary. Please, help me. Help me. Where, where are our kids, Mary? I need you, Mary. Oh, get please. away from me. Help! Help! Help me, help me Mary. I'm George. Mary! <laughs> Clarence Oh, where is he, Joseph? Where's George? I'm afraid I've lost him, sir You knew you shouldn't have let him try to see Mary Now they're after him, a mob They think he was trying to hurt her Joseph, I won't even get one wing, will I? You'll have one more chance, Clarence Get over to the bridge by the river I think George has seen just about enough but the, but the mob... Oh, don't worry. They've lost him, too. Now, hurry up. Oh, thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Clarence. Clarence! Clarence, where are you? I'm here, George. Help me, Clarence. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Only get me back to my wife and kids, please. I want to live again. Oh, thank you, George. Thank you, boy. I want to live again, please. Oh, God, please let me live again. George? 
Is that you down there, George? Now get out here, Bert. Get out here. You come in any closer, I'll, what the I'll let you have it. What the hell are you yelling for, George? Come on. George. George, Bert. Bert, do you know me? No, yeah. I've been looking all over town for you. Where you been? Hey, Bert. Bert. I'm alive again, Bert. You sure you're all right? Hey, your mouth's bleeding. It is. Hey, my mouth's bleeding. Bert, look at, look at the blood come out of there, would you? Huh? And where's Zuzu's Christmas bell, Bert? I had it right in my pocket. Here it is! Hey, it's in my pocket! What do you know about it? Hey, Merry Christmas, Bert! Well, Merry Christmas. Get in the car. I'll drive you home. You will, Bert? We'll do that. I turn the siren wide open, huh? Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls! Hey, Merry Christmas, old building alone! Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter! Yippee! Come on. Hey, Bert, come on, come on in with me, huh? Well, what are these people, these reporters? Hey, oh, oh, Merry Christmas, reporters. Hey, Mr. Bank Examiner, Merry Mr. Christmas. Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000, I'll bet, huh? George, I've got a little paper here. I'm oh, sorry. I, but... I bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't that wonderful? Merry Christmas. Hey, where's Mary, you know? Uh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Shouldn't it wonder? Have you seen my wife? Where's Mary? Yeah, Mary! Daddy, Mary! Hey, kid, Janie, Petey! Hey, oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you, Daddy, with Uncle Billy. Oh, yeah. Daddy! Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel, huh? Fine, Daddy. Not a snitch of temper. Not a snitch of temper. Hallelujah! George! George, darling! It's Mommy! Mommy's home! Mary! George, where have you been? Mary, oh, George, oh, Mary, George. Now, look, just let me touch you. Oh, you're real, Mary. Oh, you've no idea what happened oh, to me. You've no idea what's happened either. They're on their way here. Who? Who's on their way? Oh, the police department? I don't. Uh, the FBI? The National Guard? I'm alive again, Mary. Oh, listen, Mary, I'm alive again. Oh yes, darling, yes. Now, now, close your eyes and, and come on downstairs. Oh, what is it? Can't open my eyes yet, Mary? What's going on here? Now, now keep your eyes closed. Now, I'll just walk you over here by the Christmas tree and... Well, the people I hear, but lots of people. What, what is it? Lots of people. Just one minute now. We're all ready, Uncle Billy. Come in, everybody. George, look. Just look. Uncle Billy. Money, George. A laundry basket filled with money. Money for you. Mary did it, George. Mary. I don't understand. What money? What... People heard you in trouble, darling. These people, your friends, they've collected this money for you. The $8,000. Charlie. Hey, there's Mar- there's Martini. Uh, Mr. Gower. Hey, how are you, Mr. Gower? Mrs. Thompson. Ed. Tom. Everybody. Huh? None of us would have a roof over our heads if it wasn't for you, George. Garth, this is wonderful. Hey, Mary, look. Look who's coming in. Mother. Hi, Mother. Hey, and Harry. Got Mary's telegram, George. I flew in as fast as hey, I could. Hey, everybody, a toast. How about a toast? Oh, good idea, Ernie. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Lord, there's something written in it. Dear George, remember no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings, love, Clarence. Clarence? Yeah, he's a very dear friend of mine. Daddy, this is well said. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right, Zuzu. That's right. That's right. At a boy, Clarence. At a boy, Clarence. Happy landing.
Fourth, the 